Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And a fabulous service department that backs all of it up every step of the way for the life of the vehicle. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Let's set the proper tone. We now go to the Temple of Hate. (laughs) And get our first dose of... What's wrong with the world? <laughs> you know, since you were, while you were making your way back from the golf tourney, I didn't disappoint the audience, and I had a rant ready and did one on Thursday Night Football, if you care to hear that, but I have some new material, too. Really, just take over the show. Do whatever you want. <laughs> uh, I- I'm going to start with what happened with the in the Phillies-D-backs game yesterday afternoon where Rojas was at the play for the D-backs and he wasn't ready. It was an 0-2 count. The clock expired and for whatever reason he didn't get a strike called against him which would have been strike three. He would have been out. And this was in the top of the 10th inning. Then Craig Kimbrell is on the mound and after there was a whole big discussion about it with the umpires, gets called for a balk and then is called for a ball because he wasn't ready or because he he had started his windup when the batter wasn't ready. And then he got called for a ball to make it a 1-2 count. Now, of course, the Phillies ended up winning the game in the bottom of the 10th inning, but John Kruk had just a terrific rant about these rules of Major League Baseball. And we knew there'd be growing pains with these rules. This is the first big one, in my opinion. But I'm just... I, I I don't I don't understand what the logic the umpires were using yesterday where Craig Kimbrell did absolutely nothing wrong. He was ready both times. They even had to warn the Rojas, the the hitter, the first time before he was before the whole uh debate came about whether he should have been out or given that strike call. And that's the rule. You're supposed to give the hitter the warning and then next time it happens it's a strike against them. So in that case, it would have been strike three. Like I don't understand what the umpires are trying to do. I think they overcomplicated it yesterday and then wrongly actually penalized Craig, Craig Kimbrell more than the batter when Kimbrell did absolutely nothing. Now, luckily, they didn't throw out Rob Thompson when he came out to argue. But still, like, what are we doing here? You don't think these people don't wake up on a daily basis now hoping to make this segment. <laughs> oh, my almighty! It's a good question. I think they just deliberately do it just to get you riled up. 
mean, the whole thing was stupid. Like, let's get the rules in order here. This seemed like the players knew the rules better than the umpire. Well, Craig Kimbrell, I should say, in this uh, case, not Rojas the batter, but whatever. So let me tell you this story. It's a Little League story. And in fact, I told it to the guys the other day because we're Eric Sewer, who's the analyst for Indiana, who, by the way, is a phenomenal player. He shot one under par 70 yesterday. Oh, my God. Wow. I was in his, I was in his group both days. What a joy to watch him hit a golf ball. Uh, but Eric has four young kids, and some of them are in Little League right now. So I said, so the story I told him, I said, I'm coaching Little League. You know, and I coached for 14 years. And, you know, I have one of those years, you know, I had, yeah, you have good teams or you don't, just whatever. They're the kids. You know? So you try to make it a great experience for everybody. So it's not a great team. The other team has the bases loaded, there's one out. Kid pops it up right to my first baseman. Gets underneath it. I mean, he doesn't even have to move. I think he like doesn't even. I think he took one step. Hits his glove. Boom. Comes out. And now all heck breaks loose. The ball is now thrown to various locations. A couple times you need a GPS to find it. Oh boy. All right. And when it's all said and done, all four guys score. So it was one out before the play started. And I walk out to the umpire and I look at him. And I said, and this is exactly the tone I used. So it wasn't like I was, you know, I just walked out. I said, hey, Bill, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. I said, wasn't that the infield fly rule there? Was, the what? I said, the infield fly rule. Oh, what's that? And of course, at this point, I know I've lost. <laughs> No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! I would have lost it right then and there, but continue. No. And I said, well, Bill, I said, if you have bases loaded or first and second with nobody out or one out, I said, if a ball's popped up in the infield, the batter is automatically out. I said, the rule is there. I said, actually, to protect the runners, not so my team can get an out. He looks at me and says, Really? I said, yeah. Then I look over, and I was in the first base dugout, so I glance over the third base dugout, and they're jumping up and down and mobbing this kid because he just hit a 60-foot grand slam. (laughs) (laughs) And and Bill says, well, what what should we do about it? I said, well, for one thing, I said, look how happy they are over there. I said, look, let's not do anything about it. I said, but the next time, I said, that is the rule, you know. I said, and you have to yell it out when the ball's in the air. And he says, I'll have to remember that. I said, yeah, I said, but for the time being, I said, let him have his fun. I said, it's fine. I said, I don't want to take this away from him. I turn around, walk back to the dugout, and the other coach says, how'd that go? I says, I said, about well, as well as I thought it would. (laughs) You know, I have to hand you a lot of credit. You handled that very well. Oh, no, look, it's not, there's no need to get. Yeah. You know, they're kids. Right? This isn't like my one loss record here. I could care less about that. I mean, we're all volunteering. He's volunteering. I'm volunteering. And, you know, you're trying to make it a great experience for the kids. But, you know, kind of walked out there. And, I, you know, but when I got the, really? <laughs> 
so what's that? And I thought, well, this could be a losing argument. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no need to get, there's no need to, you know, I don't know. I'll have to remember this story if I'm coaching Little League. Oh. I know when I go to watch one of Luke or Mark's games, I may have to sit there and just, just to be there. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Just to keep you in check. <laughs> he thinks he's Billy Martin. I know he does. <laughs> <laughs> he went out and he kicked dirt all over the umpire. He's, and the umpire's a 12-year-old kid. You're like, and th this, this was not a kid, by the way. The umpire was not a kid. Oh, boy. The guy was actually a little older than I was at the time. <laughs> and I was like, and a great guy. I mean, a great guy. But I walked out, and I said, hey, Bill. Kind of looked at me like, really? <laughs> oh, God, we're dead. <laughs> we just gave up a 60-foot grand slam. <laughs> It's going to take a lot to get back in this game. <laughs> oh, I remember the last game I coached. I'm coaching down at third base. And we're down by a run, get a runner on first, one out. Game, you know, and we couldn't get the run across, lost the game. My buddy, in fact, my buddy, J.R. Vitarge, was a terrific umpire. Uh, um, deliberately umpired the game because he knew it was my last game. Right. So the game's over with. Um uh, the and I'm walking off and Kathy says to me, says, because oh, she actually went to the game. I mean the fact she went was like I mean she never goes <laughs> last game, she thought she'd go. Okay. What were you thinking as you were standing there like the last game after fourteen years? I said, What was I thinking? I said, we got a runner on first, one out. <laughs> I said, how can I get him into scoring position? Should I bunt him over? Should I try to steal him? I said, you know, I said, kind of work the count, had him steal second. He got the second, and then we just couldn't get him in. I was trying to figure out how to tie the game so the kids could get a win. She said, well, what about, like, you leaving with a win? I said, who cares? I said, it's all about the kids. It's their game. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a matter of, I said, I'm not saying going, hey, who, I won. <laughs> Whoop-de-doo. I mean. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, seriously, I could Carol, like, well, you you want the kids to win, so the kids win the game. Of course, yes. Right, it's about their experience. Did they get better? Okay. If they didn't win the game, is there something positive you can point out to each kid? Hey, look, you made a nice play in the outfield. You made you did a terrific job in that ground ball. Hey, you got a couple of hits. Okay. I mean, that to me was what it's all about. You know, and then can you figure out a way to make everybody better? Now, I will admit, I when the season was over, the regular season was over, they put together these tournament teams. All right. So when we're, let's see, it was 
up to 12 at this point, 12 years old. And they pick out the main tournament team, which I have nothing to do with. And then they, hey, can we make, you know, we're going to set, set you up in some tournaments to take these other kids and let's see if we can make them better and the whole thing and they can get experience this summer and blah, blah, blah. Great. So you go through some practices, you get them ready, you go to the first tournament, you're all, hey, here we go. All right, come on, guys, escape. Then the next weekend, the next tournament, you're like, okay, we practice. Hey, great. All right, here we go. Then you get to the third weekend of the tournament. You're driving in and you're thinking to yourself, if you can, we can lose two games. We'll be done today. <laughs> and then the game starts. And then you start going, okay, okay, let's see. Should we hit and run here? What do we got to do? Okay. <laughs> get competitive again, you know? It's like, okay, come on. Let's see what we can do to win the darn thing. Hey, great. <laughs> <laughs> By the third one, you're like, okay, if we lose twice today, <laughs> we can go home today. <laughs> we don't have to come back tomorrow. <laughs> then the game starts, and you're like, okay, you know, it's like, let's, let's see, what, what can we do to help out and win here? <laughs> this is the way you're going to be, except you're going to get to the third tournament, like, going, all right, those 12 practices we had this week, it's got to pay off now. <laughs> uh, Mr. Catrillo, there are only five days leading into this thing, and you practiced 12 times. Yes. <laughs> it rained one day. <laughs> two-a-days. We, we only got 12 in. <laughs> I'm bringing back two-a-days. <laughs> I can see it now. We played Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> okay, let's go back to work. Everybody, let's start the practice. 20 laps. <laughs> no days off. We're going to be the best team in the best shape out there. <laughs> I can see you now. Uh, afterward, well, how come there's no press conference? Like, oh, uh, no, it's Little League. <laughs> so I'll, now I'll tell you a sign-stealing story. Sign-stealing. State College had a team, Little League, that got all the way to um, uh, the Northeast Final. And they lost in the Northeast Final. In fact, I'm trying to think. This this may have been the team, that the Danny Almonte team, maybe? I'm trying to think. No, I think it was the one before that. But they... They won the Pennsylvania State Championship. They represented the Mid-Atlantic region, and they got to the like semifinals, I think. So the next year, they're 13 years old, and they're going to go to the state 13-year-old tournament. And I had a 14-, 15-year-old tournament team. So I'm in the first base dugout, right? And the first run, first inning, top of the inning, our team gets a run. We're up one nothing. The bottom half of the first inning, they score seven runs. Like, like, boy, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, again, these kids won the Mid Atlantic Little League thing as twelve year olds the year before. I'm like, I'm sitting the dugout going, hey, this guy's pretty good. And then I'm watching in the second inning, and I'm looking over at their dugout, 
and their manager is out, out of the dugout, which is fine, no big deal. And he's giving signals. I mean, like, in plain sight. Like, okay. Interesting. And then we start to come back. So now we get to the third inning, and I know what they're doing. I know what everything is now. Right? Just by by leaning up against the side of the dugout. <laughs> I'm like looking over. So I told our, our batters, I said, here's the deal. All the right-hand hitters, because we're on the first base side. I said, just look at a quick glance at me. I'll give you one for fastball, two for curve, three for change. I said, no. right. I said, if you're a right hand, if you're a left-handed hitter, I'll get it to the third base coach, and then uh, Mr. Russell will send it back into you. Okay. Right. So I'm going with it, and we won the game twenty-four to eight. <laughs> oh so number, man! <laughs> well, number number one, we only gave up one more run the rest of the game. Yeah, our, our pitchers did a really good job. That escalated quickly. All right, and then they came up. They said. And they were kind of stunned by it. And I said, well, I said, I, I need to talk to you guys. You know, I'm talking about their coaches. I said, I said, I said, from the second inning on, we knew every pitch you were throwing. How could you possibly? I said, what was our catcher doing? I said, your catcher wasn't doing anything. It was you. <laughs> he said, what? <laughs> I said, you're out in plain sight telling everybody what the pitch is. I said, so I just relayed it to the hitters. I said, they knew it was going to be a fastball, a curveball, a change every time. He says, oh, my God, we've got to clean that up. I said, no kidding. <laughs> I, 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 said, I said, what you were doing is the equivalent of, like, sending up a flare. Fastball. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like... So this was more than tipping pitches. This was like handing it out on a silver platter. I said, you might as well have like written it down for me, handed me the sheet before the game. <laughs> I said... Wow. I said I'm not said I'm not trying to be a jerk here because it was it was set up just to give them a tune up before they went in. Right? So th- so this was not like it was a game game, you know what I mean? Right. But it was set up but it was played as a game, but it was a set up as a tune up for them. Right? Cuz they wanted to play an older team, they figured playing an older team would be a t- better tune up for them before they went to states, the whole deal. Now they won the state championship. So we were the last team to beat them. <laughs> okay then. But 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 again, I had the fourteen, fifteen year olds. All right, they and obviously 13. they cleaned up the sign stealing. Right. <laughs> well, no, but that's what he said. He says you have no idea how much this helped us. You know. And then I talked about how they played defense. I said you shifted over on defense with our guys. I said you can't just play a standard shift that you guys are playing with. The, you know, whether it's a lefty or righty hitter. I said you got to take an inning and kind of figure out you know what these guys can and can't do. Said, watch batting practice and see what they can and can't do. I said, because we're hitting the ball where you guys weren't. I said, and we're in your league. <laughs> so I helped them out. There you go. Okay. Yeah. You, on the other hand, yeah, you got what you deserved. <laughs> I can hear it now. You know, and again, the, the I, I pirate pro. I look at the coach and say, "Look, hey, whatever." You know. I asked the guys who wanted to pitch, and you know, before the game, hey, who wants to pitch this thing? I, I do, I do, I do. I do. Like almost everybody wanted to. I'm like, okay, great. So you know, I picked. I said, "Look, let's just pick out two, and we'll pick out a third if we need it." I only needed two kids. 
One went the first five, the other one went the last two, cleaned up left. <laughs> hey, my high school coach didn't call me Don Zimmer for no reason. <laughs> why did why did uh, the star pitcher in the opposing team deck you? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a no. It's because that was since I wasn't the greatest athlete, except I, I stopped. I started my senior year. I would steal signs from the other team and then tell my teammates what was coming. Well, I, again, yo, it wasn't a game game, but it was played like yeah. a game game. Oh, right? I did it in the real so, games. <laughs> so, but I'm just saying it was good for them to know that, oh, yeah, hey, look, this will give you the best chance. You've got to make sure you've got a different way of getting this out there. I said, I know you want to control what's going on. I said, but you can't do it the way you're doing it right now. I said, because the other team will sit there and go, <laughs> We're going to throw a curveball now. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love Little League stories. Yeah. Mm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. out of auto repair. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Roots 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. For Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory. With the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And a great service department that backs it all up every step of the way. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Roots 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. We now go back to the Tomb of Anger. For the next step in the rant. <laughs> well, this one has to deal with the comments post-game from Rod Brendamore, the head coach of the Hurricanes, after they lost to the Panthers, after that incredible goal by Matthew Kachuk. He said after the game flat out that his team didn't get swept because they were in every single game. I'm going to say that again. His team didn't get swept because we were in every single game. Every single game was a one-goal game. And I think I think what one was four overtimes, one was another overtime game. Correct. Yes. Right. Exactly I mean, right. I, I can understand why 
they said that. But geez, you 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 play seven periods of hockey to lose one game. You play four periods of hockey to lose another game, and you tie the game up late in the third period. Right. In fact, I mean, let's face it. I mean, the only reason that they, you know, the goal was scored at the end by Kachuk last night was the uh, penalty at the end. They were on a power play when he scored it. Correct. It's like, so I can understand why why he thinks that way. I mean, is there anything wrong with thinking that way? He says, you know, it's like, hey, it wasn't like you got exploded out of there. Cause no. Because you, you, you didn't. That That's right. And maybe that's something that you, I don't know. I guess you can still say it, but just to flat out say we didn't get swept, I just it just sounds stupid to me. Because yeah, you did get swept. And I could also maybe give it a pass if they were like the underdog. But even though I don't know if how, how much in favor how much favor how much of a favorite the Hurricanes were in this series. I didn't see all the lines of every game. But this was still the second best team in hockey. So the expectations to make a deep run probably get to the Stanley Cup final are there. And you still got swept by the underdog, by the seventh seed in the East. We're playing their best hockey. It happens in hockey all the time, but that's still there. So, to me, you still failed as miserably by getting swept by a young, by a lower-seeded team in the conference final. I don't care if it was a four-overtime game. I don't care if you lost 10-0 every game. You still got swept by the underdog when you had the expectations of maybe getting to at least the Stanley Cup final. That's my problem with that with that approach and saying, well, we didn't get swept because we are in every single game. To me, that's more of what an underdog team says than what a favorite says. So that's why I have a problem with the comments. Yeah, but you're talking about a press conference right after you lost. I mean... <laughs> Hey, what are your emotions like after you experience a disappointment, and how glad are you to have um, a day to think about it? No, that's a that's a fair point, but I, I guess for me, I probably just would have been, you know, what we didn't we didn't do what we needed to win any of those close games, and they did, and we got swept. That would have been my approach. Yeah, because they had they had chances to win all of those games. The four overtime game, the other overtime game, and on the fact of the matter is, the same player, and he's a great player, Matthew Kachuk, burned them <laughs> in every single one of those game-winning attempts there. So that so that also tells me you didn't really have an answer for him either. Nobody's had an answer for him. Um. But I, I acknowledge that they they did not get a lot to go their way. I get that, but. Well, I mean, I mean the Florida defense was, I thought, unbelievable in the series. That's why I was a little surprised they gave up the third goal to tie it last night. And that was the only part of the game I saw. I drove from Bloomington to Wheeling, West Virginia last night. And I saw the last six minutes of the game. So it was 3-2. I listened to a little bit on the radio. But I had... Um, um, so I got a chance to watch it. And I was surprised they gave up the league only because of their defense. I mean, I'm only sitting there like their defense is so good. 
And I can't see them giving up another goal. And... Gee. <laughs> they did, so I was like, I gave Carolina credit. They got some fight in them, right? And... Um, then the power play, and I thought, oh, this isn't good. You know, this is not good. You know, it's at, at the at minimum, it's going to carry over into the into the overtime if they don't score here. But I thought, oh boy, this is. But I don't blame it in the moment for thinking that way. You know, you just left your locker room. Right. So the emotions are raw. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not easy. How about that? That's one thing I always find interesting: the difference between um, a football coach. And the and the president, all right. And this has nothing to do with politics. This has to do with facts. Okay. A football coach, a hockey coach. What? How many press conferences do you think Rob Brindamore did this year? Oh, tens upon dozens. I, I, absolutely, I know where you're going with right. this. Right. And how many does the president do? All right. I mean, a hockey coach is out there doing ninety press conferences, <laughs> right? You know, and you, have, you almost have to double, maybe do 150, like going into it, coming out of it. Like, okay, football coach has the football coach will do a press conference after the game. They'll do a press conference on Tuesday. He's then got quarterback club on Wednesday. He's then got uh, the talk show with the fans on Thursday. Has to do the pregame show on Friday. Then he's got to, you know, then the games play. Got to do another press. They'll do five in a week. All right? Same. Meanwhile, the you know the most powerful man in whatever country it happens to be, like uh, I'm not doing it. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, so I mean, these guys have to handle all sorts of questions and all sorts of emotions all the time. It's not easy to do. I mean, you're not the winning coach. Okay, you're not the winning coach. That's why I'm anxious to see how you're going to be when they start doing press conferences for Little League games. I plan to maybe use some Mike Tomlinisms. Even though I'm not a Steeler fan, but I always found those hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah. Well, all I know is that it's good to have a slice of the Hartford Whalers in the Stanley Cup final. Paul Maurice, the head coach of the Panthers, was the last coach the last two seasons of the Mighty Whale. Do you see uh, 
the governor of Connecticut, Ned Lamont, wants to talk to Gary Bettman about the Arizona Coyotes? I did not see that. Yes, he does. That's intriguing. Well, he needs an arena. Yeah, I mean, they can play temp they could play temporarily at the Civic Center, but they they can't play full time there. But based on the stories that Kings told us, we'll see how this goes. I know. <laughs> Kings no fan. Um, I do give him credit for actually thinking outside the box. That that, that was good. Um, but I mean, you you'd have to build an arena. Like now, the difference between like let's say I know Houston obviously is the largest market in the country without a team. Portland's been aching for a team. Uh, Kansas City. Oh, and then there's Quebec. And Quebec is like, they are they are cable ready. They're all set. Brand new arena. Great fan base. They'd sell out everything. And there's no way in the planet they're going to get it. See, that's the rumor that's always been. That's the city that's always been connected to the Coyotes. This goes back years. And I'd love to yeah. see that happen, but... Well, it, but it's not going to happen. The Canadian dollar is worth 74 cents of the American dollar. Right. And the fact is, you know, I mean, this show occasionally quotes Forbes. I mean, so. I mean, while you're out there criticizing umpires and Craig Kimber, I'm looking at exchange rates. <laughs> but that's a big problem. It's the finances between the two countries. And it, it doesn't do anything for you in terms of the TV market you're looking for. Now, I don't know. I don't think Hartford does a lot for you in, in TV markets. But they've got to do better than than what they're doing in Phoenix because the voters of Arizona have said, uh, I think it was the voters of Tempe actually said, no, nah, I don't think we need a new arena. Because we're, I've done four games at Arizona State's basketball arena. You cannot convert them. So it's not like you can convert it. And well, you know, why would they want to convert it? But they, you know, they're not going to get a new arena. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why you know people are saying, hey, what about us? Because... The voters in Tempe said no to a new arena. They're going to play the, again this season at Arizona State's arena. I think it seats between five and 6,000. It's actually a little smaller than Pagula. And not as good as Pagula. Oh, well. Yeah, that's embarrassing. Well, they, they were playing across the street from, um, from State Farm Stadium where the Cardinals play. Gila River Arena is right across the street. <laughs> Essentially, they, they got kicked out of there. Right. That's why they're playing at Arizona State. Oh, yeah. No, right. I know. I mean, the whole franchise has been really a disgrace for the last several years now. I mean, it's, you know, it's weird. They left Winnipeg. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets that are there now, okay, this is the the Arizona Coyotes are the Winnipeg Jets from the WHA that then went to the NHL. The Winnipeg Jets that are there now are the old Atlanta Thrashers. 
See, and that's why somebody said mentioned Atlanta. Well, they've been a two-time. <laughs> no way. They're gone. I mean, the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets are both the former Atlanta teams. Oh, well. Bring back the whale. Here's a big chance. They were groundbreaking for Pagula. And the groundbreaking took place essentially where the field hockey field is now. So Bill O'Brien and I go over together, you know, and, you know, you know, Bill knows I'm a big hockey fan. He's a big hockey fan. He goes, hey, Jonesy, he says, he says, Bruins? I said, well, yeah. I said, Bill, I grew up Bruins fan, Bobby Orr, the whole thing. He says, yeah. He said, but I started following the Whalers closely. I said, he goes, he looks at me, he goes, the Whalers? <laughs> I said, yeah, Bill, we finally got a team. I was in Connecticut. I said, it's the only team we had. He goes, I suppose. <laughs> like, okay. I'll put you down as a no. <laughs> Looks at me, the whalers. <laughs> All right. We'll come back with uh, more in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sorry, at some point, that's only May 24. Yeah, I think he's going to be called out on this one, John. Maybe not, because he would have walked back with Tori Lavella. So all that for nothing. It would be great if the Adrian Johnson popped his microphone on and just said, this is what's going on. And now, time is called again. And now, Kimbrell is being charged with the ball. And here comes Rob Thompson. Joke. What a circus this game's turned into. Yeah, Rob's hot. He should be. What the hell's Kimball supposed to do? Kimball's they ready had to a go. meeting for 15 minutes, and he steps on the mound, and they call him. This is a joke. It's all right. Keep making up rules until no one knows what's going on. And now Kimball and Rojas are going at it. And Rojas is saying, go back to the mounds. And Kimball, boy, he's a fiery dude. Matty Gonzalez gets in front of him. No good! No good! No! Was there a problem? Several, actually. I I think the one... You know, it's interesting seeing them be such sticklers for rules right now. And I didn't see the incident, so I'm not going to, for me to comment on it would be ridiculous. Um, But it's interesting watching how umpires are sticklers for all this this year. The reason we are in this spot now is because they weren't sticklers before. Yeah, there's been this informal 20-second pitch clock thing has been there believe it or not, for a long time. Right? Long time. I I saw a pitcher once get called for, hey, you're taking too long. It was a long time ago, but I saw it. And you know, guys stepping out of the box? Nope. Come on. Forget it. Hey, by the way, uh, Live for Life will be on 
June 22nd, which is uh, a Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock. Uh, it will be on the turf field outside of Lash Football Complex Friday, June 22nd. Uh, $10 per adult, $5 for kids as recommended donations to benefit the rare disease community. So Friday, June 22nd at 4 o'clock, Lift for Life is back. Yeah, I didn't see the... Uh, the incident. So I really you know, don't know, didn't read about it. I've been doing a lot of driving in the last few days, so my apologies. Sounds like John Cruck and Tommy McCarthy were witnesses, especially John, seemed a little ticked off by it. A little bit, yeah. Now, here's a bad question. Did the Phillies win the game? Yes, they ended up winning and come from behind fashion. In the tent. Hmm. And this happened in the top of the tent. Okay. And the Orioles pounded the daylights out of the Yankees. Like they basically have, have exchanged comeback wins so far. So they so like it was like a crushing moment? Uh, it, it was a little, yeah, because it's the same thing that keeps happening to, ne- to Nasty Nestor is he's not so nasty the third time around in the order. That's what started the A-run seventh inning last night. Seemed bitter. 